Greetings, First Church family. You're listening to this recording because like many other congregations, the leadership of your church chose to cancel our regularly scheduled gatherings, including Sunday worship during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm going to explain the justification for that decision a little bit later in this recording. But let me assure you that during this health crisis, your pastors and church board want to do everything we can to protect the health and safety of everyone who calls First Church home and not put anyone at risk. In doing so, we must walk that fine line between vigilance and hysteria, between minimizing the seriousness of a health crisis and overreacting to it. Typically, what happens at times like this is that people will accuse healthcare professionals and the media for overreacting to the crisis and causing panic. But then after the crisis ends, people will often criticize these folks for not having done enough soon enough. So I'm confident that we have made the right decision of following what's known as the precautionary principle. This principle says that when there is uncertainty about a negative or destructive trend, we should put appropriate measures in place until we have a better understanding of it and have it under control. And that is why we chose to cancel our gatherings for the time being. Health authorities still do not know enough about how the coronavirus is transmitted. So we just want to make sure we are doing our due diligence to protect the vulnerable. The sooner we contain this virus, the sooner we'll all be able to get back to life as usual. As always happens during times like this, we face a number of difficult decisions. One of those was the decision to go ahead and host Evelyn Roy's memorial service on Saturday, which may appear to be a contradiction, given that we've canceled everything else. But here's why we decided to go ahead and not limit the size of the gathering. We were dealing here with a grieving family who needed to get closure on the excruciatingly painful loss of their daughter to cancer. At the same time, we were dealing with a pandemic. The decision to go ahead with the service and not limit the crowd size was, in my view, not perfect, but it's the best decision we could make under the circumstances. Not only that, we knew that many people had traveled a long way to Calgary, and in some cases at great expense, in order to attend the memorial service. So we decided to go ahead and mitigate the health risk, not eliminate it altogether. We did our best to implement risk mitigation measures to limit the possibility of transmission. And I hope that explanation helps. Some people have asked if we can live stream our services so that people can watch at home. While First Church doesn't have live streaming capability at this time, we do have other options for gathering online. For at least a couple of years, many of us have been regularly participating in video conferences. You can use this same technology to host online meetings or gatherings with your group or committee. If you wish to do this, please contact our Director of Operations, Stephen Pridgen, and he can set you up to do this. Also, if you're a life group leader, a member of a church committee or a ministry team, you can still choose to meet in person if you wish. We don't want to micromanage everyone and tell you what you can and cannot do. We only ask that you take the appropriate precautions. Those precautions are the following. Do not show up at group gatherings if you are symptomatic or exhibiting signs of illness. Please wash your hands often and thoroughly and use hand sanitizer. Also, use social distancing when you're in a crowd of people as much as you can. And lastly, if you have traveled internationally or are over 65 years of age, you are in the highest risk group. So we simply ask that you avoid unnecessary in-person gatherings. However, it's still your choice to make.
So I want to address the issue of what does a faith response look like in a time of crisis? Where is the line between living in fear and walking by faith? We know that there are promises in the Bible that God protects his people. There are passages like Psalm 91 or Psalm 109 or Deuteronomy 28 and 29 where God does promise to protect his people. While we know that God can spare us of many of these afflictions like disease, drought, famine, poverty, and war that fall upon many people who do not believe, we also know that we must use sound judgment and not foolishly put ourselves in harm's way and then expect the Lord to deliver us. In other words, we should not foolishly put the Lord to the test. When the devil tried to entice Jesus to prove himself by throwing himself off the highest point of the temple, he quoted scripture. He quoted Psalm 91, verse 12, which says, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Essentially, he was saying, Since you claim to be God's son, God will certainly not let any harm come upon you, so go ahead and jump. If you're really who you claim to be, God will save you. But Jesus also quoted scripture, and he said, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test, which is found in Deuteronomy 6.16. You see, if we ignore common sense and sound judgment, we'll be guilty of putting God to the test. If we ignore sound advice from the health authorities based upon a flawed view of faith that says, well, because we're God's children, we're immune from the coronavirus, what we are in fact doing is putting God to the test, and we will be guilty of bringing his good name into disrepute. Over the past 2,000 years, foolish people have unfortunately used God's name in vain and have put him to the test by deliberately placing themselves in harm's way and then expecting the Lord to bail them out, often with tragic results. And in so doing, they ignored the clear warnings of Scripture. A couple of passages come to mind. Proverbs 27:12 says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Or Proverbs 14, 16, that says, The wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. Now, something that many people are not aware of is that God himself is concerned about our health care. I appreciate this statement that I found in an online article the other day, and I'm quoting. A major part of the Bible's health instruction dates back to the time of Moses. Yet in our day, many researchers and medical doctors are stunned at the accuracy and effectiveness of its many provisions. The Wycliffe Bible Encyclopedia tells us that the laws given by God to Moses contain remarkable rules pertaining to public health, which concerns us even today. Water and food contamination, sewage disposal, infectious diseases and health education. These issues were dealt with in the Mosaic health laws that we find in the Pentateuch. Some biblical statements about health are specific, such as this passage of Scripture. The Lord says, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. 
Exodus 15, 26. You see, the ancient Egyptians suffered from the kinds of diseases that have ravaged humankind throughout history. Autopsies on Egyptian mummies have revealed evidence of cancer, arthritis, tuberculosis, gallstones, bladder stones, parasitic diseases, and smallpox. They suffered these diseases because they did not understand the health principles that God gave to Moses. The biblical instructions regarding health, maintenance, and recovery from illness involve the application of cause and effect principles based on true science that were given thousands of years before scientists developed the technology that enabled them to discover germs, bacteria, viruses, genes, and the like. Modern medical science has discovered many principles of good health, but they originated with God, who designed and created the miracle that is the human body. It was not until the modern era that men obtained detailed knowledge of human physiology and medicine. Yet, the Creator God, who is sometimes called the Great Physician, knows everything about us, and He's provided the necessary keys to good health. The choice to obey the Lord and reap the resulting benefits is ours to make." Unquote. So there is no evidence that this common-sense approach to protecting our health had changed in the New Testament. This, then, is the reason why we are taking the precaution of limiting our church gatherings during this health crisis. So I just want to address the issue of how we can care for others who are in need or feeling isolated during this crisis. Times of crisis are always opportunities for us to show God's love to people in need. And there might be people in the church who could use some encouragement and assistance during this crisis. Or perhaps there's a family in your neighborhood who needs a helping hand with grocery shopping or transportation. Maybe you know of someone who is short of food or supplies and needs to borrow from you. So let's be vigilant and let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the needs of those around us and to extend our hands to help them in time of need. The other day I just received an email from one of our attendees who's a young adult. And this is what it says. Hi, Pastor Brian. I was just wondering if you knew of any seniors in the church community who needs errands run. If there are people needing errands, I would be willing to take a list, get the stuff, and deliver. Let me know if there's anyone you can think of. Isn't that fantastic? I just want to also address the issue of how to give tithes and offerings during this time that we're not gathering. There's a number of ways that you can do this. One is you can mail or drop off an envelope with a check at the office. And if the office is closed, our office hours might change during the outbreak, so it could be closed. But if the office is closed, you can drop it off in the mailbox outside the office door. There's also a number of online giving options available. If you're uncertain about how to do this, you'll be receiving an email from our Director of Operations, Stephen Pridgen, that explains how to do it. And if you're unable to follow any of these options, please contact me or our church office, and we will arrange to have somebody come by and pick up your offering from you. And the only other question that might be on your mind might be how long will things be shut down during this crisis? At this point, we don't know. But we are taking it a day at a time, and we'll notify you as soon as we see a breakthrough in the crisis and feel that it's safe to continue meeting again. So God bless you all and stay safe during this difficult time.